Good morning. My name is Sarah Stonerock. My family and I have been attending Walnut Creek Press for the last few months and we're really enjoying it. I'm here this morning to talk to you about the fruit of the spirit, patience. Growing up, my dad would always say, in your patience, possess ye your soul. Isn't that so true? <laughs> patience is definitely something I think a lot of us struggle with. And thankfully, growing up, I had parents who uh, were extremely patient, especially my mom. Uh, when I was in high school, I definitely went through some ups and downs and it was always so comforting to know that my mom would be there for me, patiently waiting to help me out and I knew she'd never be angry or upset with me. She would just always have this Christ-like patience which has carried through my entire life and been such a great example to me. Okay, I'm going to read the scriptures. Uh, first scripture is Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Well, good morning again and welcome. Let me just join uh, Brian in saying thank you so much for being here today. My name is Tommy Brana, and I'm one of the pastors here at WCPC, and I'm so excited to be able to continue on in our series, What Does a Christian Look Like? And as hopefully you've picked up by now, today we are talking about patience. And you know, patience is really a kind of deep and nuanced and multi-layered virtue. There's a lot of complexity within patience. You know, I, I was thinking about it this way. If we were to go out to coffee and maybe let's say we didn't know each other very well, and you asked me to describe my wife, and one of the first things I said to you about her is, oh, and you know, Megan is great at waiting. You'd kind of pause and think, what a strange thing to say. That's a that's a weird way to describe somebody to kind of lead off the bat with like, wow, they're really great at waiting. But if I were to tell you, oh, Megan is so patient, well, immediately you would see that as sort of this virtue and that would kind of tell you something about her and that would feel like a very normal way to describe someone. So as we're talking about patience, we are talking about something that relates to time, right? There's sort of this element of being able to wait, to endure that is a part of it. But it's also wrapped up in so much more than that. And last week, as Brian was starting off his sermon about peace, he mentioned how this list that we're looking at in Galatians is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit being singular, not fruits, uh, plural. Which means that 
really what God is intending is that we would be people who reflect all of these. All of the items on that list are a part of God's character, and so each and every person who's filled with the Spirit of God should ideally reflect all of them. And so that means not just that we have each of them, but also that I think they are kind of connected to each other in many ways. They relate and are intertwined, and I think we see that so much with patience. You know, one of the reasons we desire patience, we, we want to be patient people, is because, at least for myself, I recognize that so many of my worst moments are connected to impatience. It's the times when I've made rash decisions or done things I wish I hadn't done or said words that I wish I could take back. They were born out of impatience. And I think we also recognize, I certainly do, that to be the kind of person I want to be, to be kind and generous and good, uh, I need patience. Patience is a sort of required ingredient in that. So I'm very excited to dive in on this topic today and just to see what might it look like for us to be people who are reflecting more and more of God's patience into the world. And as I was thinking again about patience and how do we understand it and what role does it play in our lives, where do we need it, I sort of broke it down into four categories. And you could do this differently, but I found this sort of helpful in my own process of thinking about patience. And within each of these categories, there's just a thousand different examples that you could give. But these are sort of the places in our lives that I think we need patience. I think the first place that we really need patience is in our circumstances. And uh, we'll... <laughs> I'm going to separate that for a second from the people who create the circumstances that require patience. We'll talk about that. But just generally, circumstances. You know, life happens. There are hard things that we go through, times when we need to endure and to wait and to kind of do that well. So this might be a situation like traffic, the go-to patience example. Uh, this might be lost luggage. It could be a job search or a period of unemployment. It could be struggles with fertility. It could be an illness. It could perhaps be a global pandemic. There are times in our lives in which we just have life happen, and the thing that we need to get through it, in many ways, is patience. Uh, the second category, people. And I think I need to give almost no exposition on this, we need patience with other people. In fact, I won't do this right now, but if I were to ask you to come up with a list of five people in your life who required patience, I bet I would only need to give you 10 seconds to do it. I mean, it would take no time at all. And those people could come from every arena. It, could be, it would most certainly be family, coworkers, neighbors, strangers, baristas. There's all kinds of people that you could find yourself needing patience with. And why is that? It's because people are people. They do things in their own ways, on their own times, with their own habits. There are countless reasons. In fact, uh, my own coworker, Ryan, showed me some patience just last week. I was sitting on a bench out here, and he kind of went by at a distance, and I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't tell who it was. And so I was looking at him, trying to see, and, and a couple minutes later, he circled back, and he was like, hey, Tommy, is everything okay? Are we doing all right? And I was like, yeah, why? And he was like, well, just a minute ago when I walked by, you looked at me with death in your eyes. And I was like, oh, thank you for uh, giving me a little bit of patience and coming to ask what was going on. I literally couldn't tell who it was because I didn't have my glasses on. But people require patience from us for all kinds of reasons. The third category is I think that we need to be able to show patience with ourselves. You know, I don't know about you, but I often um, 
through impatience with myself, can treat myself as harshly as I can other people. I could be frustrated with myself, angry, irritated. And if I am not willing to extend patience to myself, um, I'm not always the easiest person to be with. So I think that's an area where we really need to be patient. And then finally, I think we need patience in our relationship with God. Patience is a really crucial and important part of cultivating our relationship with God. And in fact, um, you see this throughout the book of Psalms, but I'll just choose one place. In Psalm 13, it begins with the words, How long, O Lord? And this is a cry that you'll hear throughout Scripture. Lord, how long? When this circumstance is going on in my life, when this person is driving me crazy, when I am feeling kind of all the frustrations with myself, how long until you will act? How long until you will change something? How long until I can count on you to show up? And so I think as we enter into our relationship with God, patience is a vital, vital component. And you know, as you think through all those different categories and all the places we see patience, I think one of the things that we realize about patience or something that really stuck out to me about it is that patience has sort of an internal and an external quality to it. It is both of those at the same time. So if I'm feeling impatient inside, I can be irritated, I can be anxious, I can be angry, perhaps I will be all three of those, right? Impatience is creating this sort of internal reality in me, where if I am patient, I will often feel calm, I will feel peace, what Brian talked about last week. I can feel hope, there's a tranquility inside that is a part of patience. So patience has a sort of internal quality to it, but there's also an external part. There's an external marker of patience. So if I am impatient and I'm feeling all those things inside, how is that going to manifest itself? Well, a lot of times it's going to make me rash. It's going to make me unwise. Uh, I'm going to be harsh in my speech. Maybe I'm going to say something really cutting, or I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to come to regret because I didn't give myself the time to really think through it. So I'm living out sort of the negative consequences of impatience. But if I am patient, if my inside has sort of the quality of patience, well, then what is that going to enable me to do? It's going to let me be kind and gentle and gracious and understanding. It's going to give me the ability to withhold making a decision or wait on an action until I know the right thing to do and can do it in the right way. And so you have this internal and this external. And so all of that sort of led me to my, this is not some revelatory thing, but kind of the working definition I came up with for patience as I was thinking through this sermon, which is this. I think that patience is the inner disposition. It's the inner disposition that allows you to endure, delay, frustration, disappointment, and suffering while doing what is right. I'm going to say that one more time. I think that patience is the inner disposition, it's that inside life, that allows you to endure through delay and frustration and disappointment and suffering while doing what is right. And this is a quality that we see God demonstrate over and over and over through the Scriptures. The story of the Bible is essentially God sort of enduring through a broken and hurting world, waiting to do only that which is right. And that's actually what we see in the parable that we are looking at today. 
You know, so in this parable, it is Jesus teaching, and he says, let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like. And that's actually something that we've heard several times. Many of the parables are about the kingdom of heaven. And in this one, he describes a farmer. He says it's a farmer who goes out and he sows seed. And in this parable, kind of the closest analogy that we have, what Jesus is talking about is essentially himself. He is the farmer, and he is sowing seed. And really what's being described is kind of the earthly ministry of Jesus. It's the inauguration, the beginning of God's kingdom breaking into the world. And so the parallel is it's, it's Jesus' teaching, his ministry, his miracles, his gathering of the disciples, and how Jesus describes that is as a work that is as small as a seed being planted. And if you zoom out, um, that actually makes a lot of sense because what Jesus is doing is in many ways globally quite small, right? He's gathered just a handful of followers to himself. He has 12 disciples. He stays in a, I mean, he travels around, but it's in a pretty tight geographic region. Like the beginning of Jesus's work is small. And then Jesus says there's this growing season, right? So if you plant a seed, you wait, and shoots start to come up, branches start to come out, maybe flowers, or, you know, there's kind of this whole process that you wait through, and then eventually comes the harvest. And again, in this parable, Jesus says that the farmer, when he sees that the, uh, the crop is ready for the harvest, at once he goes out and he brings in the harvest. And what Jesus is talking about here is actually forward-looking, and it's not just forward-looking for the people who are hearing that parable, it is still forward-looking for us. Jesus is talking about a time in which He will return, when He will make all things right, when He will draw history to its conclusion. The sort of harvest is the time when God culminates the work of the kingdom, setting everything back into its restored state, making all things right, bringing things to a close. And in the middle is that period of growing. In the middle is that period of waiting, where the farmer is going to sleep, waking up, and the kingdom is expanding. And that's actually where we find ourselves. We are living in that period right now, where we can see that the work that Jesus began, those small seeds that he scattered in the lives of his disciples and early followers in one corner of the world, has grown and expanded to the place where here in the year 2022, on the coast of California, we have been welcomed into that family. It has grown. The plant is expanding. Like, you can see the activity of the kingdom. But we also know that it's not complete. It hasn't been finalized yet. It's not finished. And we know that because we still live in a world in which there are many other things that God will bring to an end when He sets all things right. We live in a world in which there is pain and despair and famine and sickness and war, and death. We live in a world in which patience is still required of us. We're sort of in that growing season. And, you know, I think this is actually such an interesting view into who God is and His character, and I think it helps us in some ways understand one of the great questions that we take to God, right? That question that we hear in the Psalms, how long, O Lord? In that is this question to God of God, why are these things allowed to continue? Why aren't you acting? Why aren't you moving? Why are we waiting for that harvest day when there's so much hardship? Like, why isn't that day today? And there are so many ways to try and get after that answer. Why does God sort of um, wait in the face of so much pain and suffering? And I don't have a comprehensive answer. I'm not going to attempt one today. 
But what, will I, what I will say is I think this um, parable points us to the role that patience plays in it. And we can see the way that that works out actually even in the coming of Jesus, right? God tends to operate in ways that are um, consistent with His character. He does repeatable things. And here's what I mean. You know, we see the entrance of brokenness into the world at the very beginning of Scripture. It is Genesis chapter 3 where we see the fall and this mess of pain, death, and despair breaks in. It is in that moment when God makes His first promise that there is a fix coming. God hints towards the fact that there will be a Savior, there will be a plan to fix what is broken as soon as brokenness enters. And then what you see is centuries passing by and countless people who are walking with God crying out, God, how long? How long until you act? How long until you make things right? How long until you move? And God waits, and He waits, and He endures through all of the muck and the mire. And then we read in Galatians chapter 4, it's actually just a little bit before the list of the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says that in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. He waited until the moment was right. Now, what made that the right moment as opposed to all other moments? I have no idea. I don't know how he knew. I don't know what it was that told him this is the moment. What we can say is that very clearly it was the right moment. It was the right time and right place for Jesus to step into history. It was the right um, entry point for God's Savior to come and make things right. And we are living in the fruit of that. Like we having the opportunity to step into his kingdom and experience God can say, we don't know why that was the moment, but God knew that was the moment. And we are in a similar period of waiting now. When is the harvest? When is it time for God to move? We don't know the answer to that question. Only God knows. And why is God waiting for such a specific moment? Because God is a patient God. Because God has the inner disposition to be able to endure through the delay, the suffering, the chaos, until it is the right moment to do the right thing, and then He will act. That is the patient character of our God. Now, the great news for you and for me is that while we are called to emulate God's patience, we are called to live with God's patience, we do not have to have His cosmic patience. We do not have to hold the whole sweep of history in our hands. We do not have to know the right moment for the Savior to come or for the harvest to come. What we have been tasked to do is to take God's patience and to show it in our circumstances, to the people around us, to ourselves, and to apply it to our relationship with God. He, through His Spirit, is empowering us to be patient in the things we have been called to and to trust that He is being properly patient in the things that belong to Him. So that is a little bit of a weight, at least off my shoulders this morning. And how do we do that? Well, as I'm um, wrapping up here, I just want to suggest three things that I think can help us be patient. And we see each of these demonstrated in God Himself. I think the first thing that helps move us towards patience is wisdom. I think when you have an understanding of your circumstances, when you can see a bigger, broader picture, it helps you and enables you to be more patient, right? God is able to choose the right time in history because God has a perspective and insight and wisdom that we do not have. I think uh, we were talking about this as a staff last week, and Faith Taylor said something that I just think was so helpful in kind of the practical ways of life. But she said, parents need a tremendous amount of patience. Parenting is a patient business. And she said, 
the wisdom that is required to help you parent well, the wisdom that helps you be patient, uh, looks like this. If you know what a two-year-old is like, it is much easier to be patient with your two-year-old. The wisdom of understanding the kind of developmental cycle and what someone is capable of at any given age helps you be more patient with that specific person. And I think this is really true across all things. Wisdom gives us much greater capacity to be patient. When you understand someone's circumstances, their background, how they're put together, um, when you understand traffic patterns, it's easier to be patient with traffic. Like, wisdom just enables, creates capacity for patience. I think the second thing that really helps us grow in our capacity for patience is love. You know, um, I'm a, I love Pixar movies, so I'm probably going to use those every other sermon or so. But there's this great Pixar movie called Finding Nemo. And in Finding Nemo, there's a dad fish named Marlin. He loses Nemo, hence Finding Nemo. And in his journey to find Nemo, he teams up with this other fish named Dory. And at the beginning of the story, Marlin is unbelievably impatient. He is irritable. He's angry. He is, like, so mean to Dory all the time. She's a frustrating fish. But as you follow the story and they become friends and come to have an appreciation for each other, as love grows between them, what you also see is the capacity for patience just explodes. The things at the beginning of the story Marlon would blow up about towards the end of the story because he has a love for Dory, he's now willing to accept. Like love creates this capacity to offer someone understanding and grace and time and forgiveness. Love is an ingredient in patience. And again, that's what we see from God. Like God is so deeply patient with us. And his patience is born out of his love for us. It's because he cares about us, because he has concern for us, that he's willing to extend us patience. And so as we love other people well, as we grow in our capacity to love them, we will also grow in our patience with them. And then the last thing I would say is I think that hope is an unbelievably necessary ingredient in patience. You know, there's a massive difference between patience and resignation. Uh, if you resign yourself to something, you may be waiting, <laughs> but you are not waiting with any positive expectation. You've just given up, right? You've kind of said, well, that's never going to happen. I'm done with that. But that's not what patience looks like. Patience is actually this sort of waiting with a hopeful expectation that things might change, that there might be some kind of transformation, that there could be healing in the relationship, that there might be forgiveness, that there might be, uh, you know, that next phone call might be the job offer. Like, patience has a hope in the future. And I think this is one of those things where, as if you are a person of faith, um, having a belief in God is so helpful in infusing you with the hope that allows patience. Because we do believe in a God who is active in this world. We do believe in a God who is bringing transformation and healing. And yes, even though we are sort of in the growing season, even though not all things have been set right, we are still in the midst of God growing His kingdom, of building His kingdom, of seeing His activity. And so in that, we can have hope. Hope that there can be something new on the horizon. And that gives you the ability to endure, to wait patiently, to have that sort of inner tranquility that allows for the hope of something new tomorrow. And so I think patience grows as we emulate God's wisdom, His love, and as we hope in His plans and His work within the world. 
But, and this is where, you know, these sermons are always really going to land, the truth of the fruit of the Spirit is as much as each of those elements helps us grow in them and move towards them, um, the goal of this is not for us to be people who are working for the, spe- working for the fruit, striving for the, stru- for the fruit, uh, trying to, like, produce it ourselves. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. And so, ultimately, for us to have the patience that God has, for us to show that kind of patience in our circumstances to other people and to ourselves and our relationship with God, that's going to be something that is empowered by the Spirit Himself. And so, the more you draw close to God, the more you spend time with Him and listen to Him, the more you saturate yourself in Scripture, the more you are um, creating space for the Spirit's activity in your life, the more and more He will produce patience in you. And so, to that end, I would love to just close us in a prayer asking for God's activity in our life. And, you know, every week um, of this series, we are closing with this prayer that was prayed by John Stott every morning. And you're going to see the words on the screen. I'm actually going to invite you to pray this aloud with me today as we ask for the activity of the Spirit in our lives to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day, I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen.